right, welcome in everyone to the Hustle With Us podcast here for another edition. I'm your host, Tristan Plunkett, hustling with you today. I got my co-host, Craig Mushino, hustling with me right now. Craig, how we doing? We are good. Really enjoyed the conversation with Coach Jefferson Mason. Absolutely. A little bit, uh, little bit of an interesting one as well. This guy, is, he's a journeyman himself. He's played in all sorts of places. He's jumped over to the operating side, we'll call it, in working for Dr. Dish Basketball, as well as doing a little coaching and training himself. Uh, what was your favorite part of the interview there, Craig? Yeah, I think Jefferson, he's really interesting. He's had a really interesting playing career. I think that's one thing that stood out to me. He's played in a, a lot of different levels, you know, college, into the pros in Europe, in the NBA G League, just really a lot of different types of opportunities. And it was kind of cool in the podcast, he tells a couple of his favorite stories from his playing days. So that uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, definitely. No, he's, and uh, you wouldn't expect it, but uh, his favorite country, I'll, I'll bet you you haven't been there before. Anybody who's listening right now, at least, you know, uh, proportionally speaking. But yeah, no, definitely, definitely tells a lot of stories there. I love his, his mindset in terms of how he approaches his training. He keeps it, he talks about how he keeps it basic. He always likes to make it game-like and situational, but still at the same time, you're not getting ahead of yourself. You're not adding all the bells and whistles before you don't have the left hand to dribble down or whatever it is you're working on. He makes Fundamentals. Sure it, fun, exactly. We preach it here. He preaches it himself. It's all about keeping it basic. Now, real quick, guys, before we get started, make sure you're scrolling down whatever platform you're listening to us on. Give us a rating, five stars if we're so lucky. Go ahead and leave us, leave us that rating. Go ahead and subscribe. Uh, and, hey, make sure you're also checking Hustle Fitness out on all the social media outlets. Just search Hustle With Us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're still on the Facebook. Uh, make sure you check us out, guys. All right, without any further ado, let's just get right to it. Coach Jefferson Mason. All right, real quick, folks, before we get to our interview, a quick word about the Hustle Sports Training app. Are you an athlete trying to improve your skills or a youth sports coach trying to develop an effective training program? Look no further than the Hustle app. Hustle is the simplest way to learn new sports skills, period. We partner with coaches and trainers at all levels to produce instructional videos and training plans that will help you to improve your fundamentals and master those advanced techniques. Whether you're building out your practice plans or looking to improve your form, techniques, or fitness, Hustle has a training plan for you. Download our app in iTunes or on the Google Play App Store by searching Hustle Training or visit our website at hustletraining.com. Get a leg up on your competition with Hustle. All right, welcome in, everyone. We have with us on the line right now Coach Jefferson Mason. Jefferson is a employee, a pretty high-ranking employee over there at Airborne Athletics. They run the, the products you've probably seen out there in the marketplace, Dr. Dish Basketball. Also have a few other products out there in the realm in the basketball and volleyball space. Jefferson, how are we doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, the weather here in Minneapolis is great, so I can't complain. Absolutely, because I'll bet, uh, you know, next month or whatever, it's going to start coming down with the white stuff. So take it while yeah, you can get it, right? You never know here. It's just up and down. But this is a good time of the year for us, and you'll see a lot of smiles on Minnesotans' faces around this time of the year. There you go. Let's hear. Let's start where we start with, with all of our coaches, all of our players here at Square One. 
tell us a little bit about your background. We know you played up there at the next level and over overseas as well as in college. Tell us your story a little bit, Jefferson. What got you to where you are now? Just give us the uh, give us the cliff notes real quick. Yeah, so I uh, grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, played for Robbinsdale High School. Um, you know, I had a really good career there my, my junior and senior year. Uh, wasn't a really highly ranked player coming out of high school. Um, I wouldn't even consider myself, you know, a top 25 player in the state my senior year, but um, things worked out for me. I was very fortunate to get a Division One scholarship to University of Northern Colorado, where I played for Tad Boyle uh, for about two and a half years. Uh, was a starter there for two years and had some success, but decided that I wanted to, to uh, transfer home and, and play in front of some friends and family. And uh, kind of just get the love for the, ba- the game of basketball again. So I uh, took a few visits and ended up settling on Division II powerhouse Minnesota State Mankato. I uh, finished my last two and a half years there. I uh, was very fortunate to play for some amazing coaches, amazing players and teammates. Um, and there I, I garnered a, a lot of different individual awards, All-American, All-District, All-Region, uh, kind of essentially every award that you could you could win as an individual player uh, on a Division II level, I, I accomplished. And uh, because of the success of our team and, and the notoriety and kind of the eyeballs on us, I was fortunate to get opportunity to to continue my career and play for professionally after that. Uh, so after graduating you know, college, I, I started my career off in, in Germany. I played it uh, for the Web Mobile Baskets there my, my rookie year. I had a really good year, was named to a lot of uh, Eurobasket teams, and uh, from there kind of took off a little bit for the next few years. I was able to work out with the Minnesota Timberwolves and um, play with them for a couple months before getting drafted in the D-League by the Dallas Mavericks. So I played down with the Texas Legends for a while, and and then after that, I I went back overseas for another three or four years or so and played in countries, uh, Romania, Luxembourg, Germany again, Turkey. I bounced around, you know, a couple times during playoffs for a month here and there for, uh, with some other countries. So uh, very fortunate to be able to play for, you know, five or six years or so and, and then transition to uh, now hear my role at Dr. Dish Basketball. Yeah, I'd say so. Now tell us, you've played the next level in several next levels. So not only from high school to college, but college to uh, overseas, overseas, over to the G League, and then back over to Europe as well. Tell us um, what what is – what drove you? What was that driving factor? Did you always want to do it? Did it just kind of come up and you took the opportunity where you could? What was that driving factor in your training and your skills development that really led you to everywhere you went? Well, you know what? When I was a kid, obviously, I think anybody that plays sports, your your ultimate goal is to, to be a professional. And I think every kid kind of has that dream. As you continue to get older and your body matures and uh, your skills either increase or they decline, you start to kind of put into perspective you know, what you could be as a player. And for me, um, every year that I continue to play basketball, I, I love the game more and more. I continue to work and new doors and opportunities kept opening up for me. So, you know, as I got older, um, the opportunity to, to play, you know, varsity basketball, college basketball, professional basketball became realer and realer every single time I hit, you know, the next goal that I was trying to achieve. And I remember one of my coaches when I was younger always saying, if you can, if you can be prepared for your moment or when your opportunity comes, you're going to have a chance to succeed. And for me, um, I just always tried to maximize my own potential and be the best version of myself 
at all times on the basketball court and off the court. And, and you know, for me, the blessings of opportunities coming at the right time, the right place, you know, allowed me the opportunity to continue my career a lot further, I think, than uh, some other players with even my skill set. So, you know, for me, I, I always had that dream. Um, but every single time I hit a new goal or milestone, it was it was still a surprise to me, even though I put in a ton of work and, and I and I tried my best at all times. It just always was, um, you know, an unbelievable dream that I was reaching, you know, until my my professional playing career is concluded. Got it. Yeah, it certainly takes that drive to continue to do um, the types of things that you've done in your career as a player. Um, you know, something that just kind of jumps out to me, you've played in a lot of different places besides playing, you know, locally in Minnesota. Um, what's been your favorite place to play? You know what? I, I would say this. Um, the most challenging league that I played in, um, you know, ironically, when I played in the D League um, and even when I spent some time with the Timberwolves and preseason and all the good stuff, uh, to me, that style of play was actually a lot easier. It was more spread, a lot faster. Um, you know, if, if you're athletic, which, you know, in, in my, my heyday I was, um, it's a lot easier than being able to play against teams that can kind of pack the lane and whatnot. And so for me, playing in Romania was probably the hardest because those guys over there, you have a lot of Serbian guys, a lot of Romanian guys, uh, you know, that come from rough areas and they're just tough guys. And so for me, the style of play and the way they play was very difficult for me to get accustomed to, uh, just the physicality of it and just the style. And so that was really difficult for me to adjust. Uh, but I would say that my favorite place that I played in was Luxembourg. It was a, a beautiful city. Mm -hmm. uh, the level of basketball, I wouldn't say, was very high. Uh, it's kind of crazy. Alfonso McKinney, who plays for the, the uh, Golden State Warriors right now, he played um, in the second division of Luxembourg a few years back. I didn't get a chance to play with him, but he played in the same league there. But, I mean, the, the level of basketball wasn't great, but the living standards were amazing. At the time, my wife and I, uh, we lived there. Uh, the accommodations were great. The fans in the community were great. Uh, living standards, like I said, were great. So it was just a fun environment, fun place to be in, you know, central location kind of in Europe. So I had a chance to travel. So as far as, you know, basketball, the success I had there and then all outside just living my, my regular life, I really enjoyed my year there in Luxembourg. No, nice. Got it. Yeah, it really shows how important it is. Uh, location. Uh, for the place to to play and now uh, certainly agree with that um can you tell us about uh, during your playing career you know what's one of your most memorable experiences over that time you know what i i, I have so many uh i can give you one I, i'd like to give you one at each level and my first one i would say was uh my high school my high school days. And I've, I've told this story before, and it's one of my favorite ones. I remember the beginning of my senior year, uh, one of my good, good best friends who I'm, I'm friends with today, Jermaine Davis. Um, I remember the beginning of our senior year, us talking about how great our team was going to be that year. We were pretty talented. Him and I had put in a ton of work. We were super excited. Uh, and we ended up playing um, Hopkins High School running joke is they call them the University of Hopkins here in Minnesota because they, they pump out Division One players left and right, and they're just absolutely amazing. But we played them the first game of the season, and we ended up losing by 16. And uh, we went into the locker room, and we looked at ourselves, and we said, we're not that good. Um, and we took a step back from that and said, you know what? That was a really good team that we played, but 
if we can come together and, and we can stick as a team and work hard together and take everything that we've been doing the last two, three months in the offseason and put together, we're going to be successful. And from that day on all the way until the end of the year, I mean, we rattled off 21, 22 straight wins, ended up finishing the season 27 and four, I believe. And we ended up losing in the state championship to Hopkins again. But it was a cool story of, of I think, us facing adversity. It was the first time in my life where it really hit me hard and I overcame it. Um, so that's one memorable, you know, time in my life. I think that the highlight of my basketball career probably was playing in the Division II Final Four uh, at Minnesota State Mankato. Um, that run with that group of guys was incredible. We weren't overly talented. We just had a group of guys that filled their roles, and we worked extremely hard. We trusted each other. We won some tough overtime games and made baskets when they counted and played our best basketball at the right time. And you know, when you go through the ups and downs of a basketball season, any player, any coach can understand this. Um, when you come out on top at the end or have a really good successful season, um, it's really fun to look at all those accomplishments that you had throughout the journey. And for, for me, my senior year was one of those ones where well, I didn't think we were going to be as good as we were. Um, you know, I knew that we had some talent, but I just never imagined that we would make it that far. And and obviously, it feels good when you get individual accolades and all that good stuff. But for me, the most important thing was the memories that we made along that journey my senior year at college. And, and to this day, you know, I, I get a smile on my face thinking and, and going over, you know, some of those stories when they pop up in my head. Wow. Yeah, no, that de- I definitely say that's a uh, certainly a unique look at at the game, especially when you get to play in so many different spots. Appreciate all those stories there. Now let's let's transition post-career. You started as a trainer, right, for the Minnesota Timberwolves? Yeah, so um, actually when I was playing professionally over in Europe, I would come back during the summers, and because I was affiliated with a lot of people within the Timberwolves and Lynx organization, um, I started doing some training through them during the summer, and that kind of transitioned into me being a director for – Uh, the youth academy. So what I used to do was travel around the state, direct youth camps, um, you know, for the Timberwolves and the Lynx. And then also I would run player camps as well. So, you know, we had guys like Zach Levine at the time, some Mm -hmm. of the Lynx players like Lindsey Whalen. So I would help direct their camps and we'd have 150, you know, plus kids that would come out. And so I would do that during the summer. And then after I retired from basketball, I did that for another solid year or so. Um, kind of full-time running camps and clinics, doing a ton of training, getting as much knowledge as I could more on the coaching and training side Mm -hmm. um, and trying Mm -hmm. to transition there, um, you know, in in kind of my career before I I started with Dr. Dish. Got it. So now tell us what, um, what were some of your tactics in terms of training, especially when you're working with these guys at the the highest level, maybe you pulled some from some of your experience playing overseas and playing into the D league yourself, uh, what were some of your tactics in identifying what these players needed to work on? Well, I'll tell you this. When you train high-level guys, it's actually not very hard. And any trainer out there, I don't care who they are, if they say that, they're lying. Training high-level guys is easy because they have already have the base skill and knowledge of the game. Really, all it is is critiquing the small things that they need to understand within their own game. You know, you have some of these guys that are number one, number two ranked players in high school or they're elite players in college that will work with trainers and they'll take the credit for the success the player is is having. But in reality, whoever worked with that player before then, when they were younger or in high school, actually laid the groundwork for them to be successful. And to me, it's just about fine tweaking 
the things, you know, that these NBA players, WNBA players, you know, college players, what they need to do. And so for me, you know, playing at a high level, I can see the game from a different perspective. I can say, okay, tell me what you did in this situation and why it didn't work. And what I can do is provide some insight on how I was able to overcome that obstacle or how I was able to, you know, maneuver in that way during the game and try to, you know, implement that into their game. Now, every player is different. So you have to kind of find the nuances in their game and what works for them athletically and skill-wise. But those small details are the, are the things that will help take a great player to being next level. Um, but to me, to be honest with you, working with the kids at the youth level, at the high school level that um, haven't reached that elite status, those are the ones you get the most you know, gratification at the end of it because you're really starting from scratch with these kids and you're teaching them everything that they need to know. And so for me, what I try to do is I try to make everything as game-like and situational as possible. If, if you're getting into the gym and you're just shooting shots at one location or you're going through the drills using cones and all this type of stuff and it doesn't actually translate to what the player's going to see in the game, they're not going to get better. The goal for me is always to make sure that my players feel comfortable come game time, you know, in the different situations and decisions they have to make. You know, and it doesn't matter how you, you create the, the drill, whether that's with cones or demon or players or whatever it is, whatever works to simulate the game like action where they can remember and think about the decisions they have to make, that's when it's going to translate the best. Yeah, so let's stay on um, the, the idea of youth players because we have a lot of youth coaches and players that listen to the podcast. Um, you know, how do you work across different skill levels, especially youth players, say even, you know, middle school age players versus high school players. Um, and what's your strategy there? Well, I, I think the biggest thing is to understand the player that you're working with and the limitations that they have at their age and their skill level. You know, players will come in sixth grade and be super, super talented and athletic already. And then you'll have some other kids that will come in as ninth graders that have really never picked up a basketball or did any playing. And so understanding where they're at athletically, knowledge-wise and skill-wise is what's going to really start or set them and set you apart as a trainer. For me, I like to look at the player and say, okay, this is where we're at. I don't want to jump into all these different moves and all these different progressions and all these things if we don't have our base structure down. We want to build the mold. We want to build the body of what your skill set is going to look like and then add pieces to it as we hit different goals. And so for me, what I do is I get a player in and I go through the very basics of, of what they can do. Can you dribble with your left hand? Can you dribble with your right hand? Can you pull up to the left? Can you pull up to the right? What does your footwork look like? Are you strong enough to shoot from the three-point line with good form? You know, what, does, what do all the small things look like? And once we can get beyond that, then we can add everything else that will make that player unique in their skill set. And I think for a lot of youth coaches, you know, that are working with different talented players, sometimes they jump ahead too quick. They'll work, they'll do some things with the players that are lower level or just beginners. They'll do the same things that they do with, you know, more talented players. And, and what it does is it, it mixes the players up a little bit. They, they start to do things that they're not physically capable or they're not mentally capable of doing, and it sets them off a little bit. And, and to me, that's where the game at times can kind of get a little bit misconstrued or messed up because, you know, we're not starting at the basics, just like mathematics. If, if you jump to calculus right away, you know, 
you can't expect a, a young student to succeed. They have to learn everything up until that point for them to be successful. Sure. Yeah. So um, for you as a trainer, would you say that you have any particular specialty um, when compared to other trainers? You know what? I think, um, you know, I think a few things that separate me from some of the other guys out there is, is I like to keep it basic to be quite honest with you. If, you know, you're athletic enough to blow past your guy or girl on, on defense and you only need to do one move or no move, I'm all for that. I think a lot of people, you know, they want to get into, you know, double, triple moves and all of this stuff because it looks really cool. But in reality, if you have the skill set, the athleticism to just be very efficient in what you do to score the basketball or create opportunities, I like to create and focus around that. I mean, you look at guys like Clay Thompson. Now, by no means is he not a skilled player. He's an incredibly skilled. But if you watch him as a basketball player, he keeps it very, very simple. He's just mastered it. And so I think nowadays everybody wants to be unique in their training. They want to, to you know, be the first to create a move or this or that and so forth. And I think at the highest level, that's very important to do. But I think if players just nowadays master the basics of the game and understand why they're mastering it and how they can use it come game time, those are the players that are really going to score the basketball and really going to understand and be successful and, and know how to, you know, make the teammates around them better and how to win. Yeah, I can see that. It's all about fundamentals for sure. Um, you know, here at Hustle, we're all about those uh, those drills, um, different things that players can do. You know, when thinking about the basics, you know, what are some good drills or what are drills that you've found successful uh, for players across multiple age groups and skill levels? Any kind of particular drill you can sort of walk us through? Yeah, I, I love decision making drills. Um, there's there's so many simple decision making drills that you can do by adding in a defender and forcing the offensive player just to make a split decision. Um, and you can take these simple drills and you can make them really difficult depending on the level of players that you have. But one that I really like that starts off really basic is two offensive player and one defensive player. And you receive the pass at the top of the key. Um, and you have the basketball, you have your, your help side defender as they are somewhere in the lane area, box area, short corner area. Now, yep, what the player is going to do is catch the basketball and they're going to attack the hoop. Now, that help side defender is going to make that offensive player make a decision. If they close out on the defender, they're going to make the read to kick out to their teammate in the corner or the wing for the shot. If they don't, they're going to pull up for a mid-range jump shot. And you can do this drill with fourth, fifth graders all the way up until high school players, and you'll see players make the wrong decision. And this is probably one of the easiest decisions that you'll have to make in a game. It doesn't really require you to – you only make one or two decisions with this drill. And the cool thing about it is, is you'll start to see kids understand when a defender is faking at them, when a defender is closing out hard, what are some of their options. It also shows the other players how to work with their teammate as well. Now, as you progress through it, you can add a second defender and an additional offensive player. So now you can go three on two and you can work on your different rotations. So for a three on two situation, you know, we would have offensive player at the top of the key. We have another offensive player on the wing and then another offensive player in that same corner. And we'd have two defenders help side. Now, in, in, in this drill, it's the same concept, 
You would drive to the basket from the top of the key, and now we'll switch up the defender. We may have the top side defender come help. We may even have the back side defender come help. Now, depending on which one of those defenders helps, we're going to make a pass to either the wing or the corner. Now, after the pass is made to the wing or the corner, we'll have that passer flare out to the opposite side, which they'll receive another pass. We use the dish in this situation so that we have an extra passer. They receive a shot off of the relocation. And then the other two players that were on the wing in the corner, they're going to read that second defender. If that second defender closes out on them, they'll, they'll, they'll quickly swing the pass for the jump shot at the wing. If the player doesn't close out, they'll shoot it themselves. So what it really simulates is if guys are closing out, they're helping, what are the decisions do I make? Do I shoot it? Do I pass it? Do I drive it? And these are things that every single play, every single game you're going to see. It doesn't require crossovers. It doesn't require triple moves. It doesn't require anything. All it requires is you to understand the game of basketball. And if you can understand these simple concepts at any level, once again, you're going to have scoring opportunities. You're going to get your teammates scoring opportunities, and you're going to have a successful team. Yeah, like how you describe that as, you know, in any given offensive play, you're only going to have two, three decisions to make. Just at the end of the day, is it going to be the right one? And obviously that drill is going to be helping still, uh, helping still you to make the right one more consistently than not. Now let's get into uh, let's get into Dr. Dish a little bit. Obviously, you're involved there with them. Tell us how Dr. Dish is uh, really helping bring along the training for for a lot of basketball players nationwide. Well, I'll tell you what, our machines are the best thing that you could get out there if you're a basketball coach or a trainer. I mean, for one, it's going to help you with efficiency. It's going to help you with reps. It's going to help you with tracking data and numbers. The game of basketball is all analytical now. So understanding where strengths and weaknesses are is huge. Um, like I said, we've created, you know, over 150 different workouts with some of the top trainers, you know, in the world, along with our in-house coaches here, so that coaches and players and trainers all around the world have access to all these different drills that highlight individual work, teamwork, small group work, um, you know, emphasis around different offensive schemes. I mean, anything that you can think of, we have drills for it. And so this allows coaches to really gain the knowledge that maybe they don't have in their own playing careers or maybe, maybe they didn't learn from their own, their own coaches. It, it's all one hut, and we have it here at Dr. Just Basketball. And, and with us, our main goal is to train game-like, train purposeful, you know, really simulate what you're going to see come game time. And with our machines and, and how amazingly they're built with the technology on top of it and the tracking, it really allows for coaches to accelerate their players' development and take a player that, hey, if they weren't using the machine, if they weren't doing the workouts and some of the drills, you know, they may not progress as fast, but you can look at a player over the course of three months and say, wow, they've really, really progressed uh, skills-wise and understanding the game, you know, in a shorter period of time. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if you can help players progress with their skill level and understanding the game at a quicker rate, they have you know a better opportunity to maximize their potential as a player, and then also ultimately become you know the best version of themselves on the basketball court. Yeah, I'd say so. Now tell us, you uh, you are involved with Dr. Dish. Obviously, you guys are trying to move move the game forward in terms of training and skills development off the court a little bit as well as on. Give us a little insight. What do you where do you think the future here? Obviously, here at Hustle, we're well in tune with, uh, with the future of technology and training. Where do you think the future of technology and training and sports in general is taking us? 
Well, you know what? I think right now with, like I said, the different analytics and whatnot, it's giving players the inside, uh, inside of where they can be the most successful on the basketball court. I think one of the biggest things that I faced um, as a player was um, adjusting to different styles uh, of defenses, of coaches, of schemes on the court. You know, once you get to a certain skill level um, and you're capable of playing at the high school, college, or pro level, it's more so about understanding your role on the team, understanding how you can be successful within uh, your coach's system, and being successful against different defenses you'll see. And so with the different shooting analytics and metrics that we have now with tracking, you know, progress over time, it really gives players the opportunity to say, okay, where can I, you know, maximize my skill set and be, um, you know, a positive force on the basketball court for my coach and for my team. It really gives players that insight of where's their niche going to be. You know, everybody wants to be LeBron James, you know, a Kobe Bryant, a Michael Jordan, where they're the best in the world. But in reality, 99% of players are going to be, in some sense, a role player. You have to figure out what you do best. And so for us, we're trying to understand where are your weaknesses as a player? Um, also, where are your weaknesses as a coach? How can we help you fill the gaps so that no matter what your potential is as a coach or as a player, we can help you reach that and be successful? You know, back in the day, if you couldn't do a, a couple things in basketball, you probably weren't going to make a team. But nowadays, if, if you're good at playing defense, if you work hard, if you can hit a corner shot, if you can understand plays better than the kids to the left you, you're going to have an opportunity to play. That's where the game is going. It's more of an analytical thinking game. And I think technology helps provide us that information that we didn't have, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And once again, it's allowing the game to evolve and change and increase at a higher level. I mean, I look at myself now, I'm 31. You know, I retired about three, four years ago. And I look at some of the players in high school and college now, and I'm like, I don't even know at my peak if I could stay with some of these guys because the skill level has increased so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, Coach, definitely appreciate the time here to, time here today. Uh, really appreciate it. Again, we're talking with Coach Jefferson Mason here, former pro baller himself, now with Dr. Dish Basketball as well as a coach and trainer himself. Before we let you go, we want to get a little into a little rapid-fire round. We're going to fire some questions at you. Boom, boom, boom. You just come at you with the first thing that comes to mind. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, here we go. Let's get it started here right now. Coach, what is your favorite sports movie? My favorite sports movie? <laughs> uh, remember the Titans. Yeah, it's a good one. Who is the coach across any sport that you admire the most? Um, I would say right now, the coach that I admire the most is Brad Stevens, uh, the mm. Celtics. I think that he handles himself and his players at extremely high levels. You don't hear anything crazy about him. Um, and he's very, very smart. And I think his players respect that. So I, I think he's one of the best out there. Definitely. All right. Now, maybe let's take you back to your playing days a little bit. What was your favorite or what was your favorite or the best pregame meal? Uh, I used to eat at um, I used to eat at this I can't remember what the spot was called but it was in a mall in Luxembourg and it was basically almost like a Greek uh, euro and so I would go there uh, with my wife at the time and we would eat kind of a, a, a roll up with some fries and a, a Greek salad on the side and to this day I haven't found anything nearly as good here around the <laughs> Minneapolis area. But it was one of my favorite meals and one of her favorite meals at the time as well. I'll never forget that place, and I hope one day I can get back there and eat it again. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> Sticking with your playing days, what's the best warm-up music before a big game? You know what? For me, um, I was more into the the Calvin Harris type music. So you know, I like all genres of music, hip hop, um, you know, classical. But I really like the the Calvin Harris type music, where it's a little bit more upbeat. Um, you know, I wouldn't say electric, but uh, a little bit more. Let's get the blood flowing. Let's get things going. Let's get pumped up because a lot of the times that's what they were playing in warm-ups over in Europe, so I kind of got used to that. But at the same time, it really got me fired up, and it was more of a positive vibe. So I always wanted to go in the game, you know, uh, you know positive, and then also kind of hyped up, and, and, and that style of music really did it for me. There you go. Coach, appreciate the time here again today. Uh, definitely definitely think you dropped some knowledge on us. Definitely think you dropped some tidbits, and ter- it's especially that training drill. I was going through it over here, over in my over in my neck of the woods, just trying to you know figure out who I'm going to dish it to in that moment. Uh, <laughs> but definitely appreciate your time again, and next time over in Luxembourg, I'll definitely make sure to check out that Euro place. Yeah, I definitely appreciate appreciate you guys having me. And and once again, for more for more drills and information, make sure you come visit us at drdishbasketball.com. Our social handles are drdishbball. We have a lot of cool team and individual drills and stuff like that coming out every single day, every single week. So make sure to check us out. And then your personal Instagram. How do we reach you? My personal my personal Instagram is Jefferson Mason Four, and uh, you'll you'll catch some highlight dunks on there, and I also throw out some training nuggets uh, on my personal account as well. There you go. All right, Coach. Again, appreciate it. Take care, and I'm sure we'll check in with you down the line. How's that sound? Sounds great. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. 